And we're continuing our series uh, called Extraordinary Lives, and which is really a study of, of ordinary people that God used in an extraordinary way. And, uh, you know, uh, we started with Joshua and then uh, we talked about Joseph and John and Peter. And then last week we talked about the life of Paul. And we're going to switch back to the Old Testament this morning. And we're going to talk about the life of Abraham. You ever heard of that guy? Abraham. The life of Abraham. Abraham, whose original name was Abram, until God changed it to Abraham. It's a common thread in the Bible. God uh, calls somebody and changes their name. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But Abraham was born in Ur, in Ur of the Chaldees near the Euphrates Valley, which is the modern day, uh, which is modern day Iraq now. And he became the first patriarch and ancestor of the Hebrews and the Arabs, as well as many other nations. You know, what's interesting about Abraham is that millions of people in three different world religions give Abraham credit as the founder of their faith. It's interesting. Islam, Judaism, as well as Christianity, they all give Abraham the distinct honor of being the founder of their faith. When we were in New York the other day or last month, whatever it was, we we're talking to this guy that was in the store, uh, you know, where you buy um, um, souvenirs, whatever. And uh, and we got to talking about the owner of that store. And, and we began to talk about, uh, you know, he wasn't Christian. And I found out that quick. And so I started referring to the Bible and Abraham. And he kept referring to, to the Quran and Abraham. And I thought it was very interesting. So we kind of sparred like that a little bit, you know, but it wasn't good. You know, we didn't like, you know, it was, it was okay, you know. But it's interesting the place that Abraham has in world history. Although you can find Abraham's story in Genesis chapter 11 through 25, Abraham's influence goes beyond those chapters throughout the entire Bible. His influence is woven throughout the scripture. Abraham was a towering figure in biblical history. And as you look at the life of Abraham, the bottom line was Abraham was an ordinary man that God touched and used in an extraordinary way. And there are three main distinctions about Abraham that I just want to bring out this morning. And the first distinction is this. Abraham was considered a friend of God. What, what a distinction to be called a friend of God. In James chapter 2, which is where you should be, in verse 23, so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. What greater distinction that someone could have been than to be called a friend of God. How many of you like to be called a friend of God? How many of you would like God to call you his friend? Amen. Now, why was Abraham called a friend of God? James tells us that Abraham believed God and God counted it to him as righteousness because of his faith. So the obvious reason Abraham was called the friend of God was because of Abraham's tremendous faith. Abraham's life could be balled down to one word, and that's faith. Abraham was a tremendous man of faith. If there's one thing that you should know about Abraham, Abraham was a man of faith. Amen? 
A second distinction given to Abraham was Abraham was considered the father of our faith. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, For this reason it is by faith in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now the question is, why was Abraham considered the father of us all? Well, to answer that question, you got to go back to Genesis. It all started with a promise given to Abraham in Genesis 12. If you know your Bible pretty well, you might want to flip over there. If you have your, your Bible on electronic, you can flip over there. Or if you got you, you in you uh, version, you, you got it probably right there. But Genesis 12 verse 1 says this. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Now, God told Abraham in him, all the families of the earth would be blessed. In other words, Abraham would be the father of nations. That's what he's telling him. So a distinction of Abraham was he's the father of the faith. But a third distinction of Abraham was this. Abraham was given special promises from God. Promises that or that no other individual received and will receive. He was a unique guy that received unique promises from God. And in that same passage of Scripture, we can see that three promises that God gave Abraham was promise number one. Abraham was given the promise of an inheriting a special country. And he tells him this in verse one. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And so the first promise given to Abraham was a very special country. Now we know the promised country was Canaan land. The Bible tells us in Genesis 17, 8, and I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. This special country that God promised Abraham, the country of Canaan land, was going to be an everlasting possession. He said, you're going to maintain this land forever. You're a foreigner in this land now, but you're going to maintain it forever. The second promise was, or the third promise was, Abraham was also given the promise of a wonderful posterity. Now, no, so the second promise, excuse me, not only did he promise him a special country, but a special posterity. In Genesis 12, in verse 2, he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. Wow, what a promise, huh? What a word to receive from God. And so God promised Abraham a posterity so numerous that he wouldn't even able to, he wouldn't be even able to count the descendants that he would have. In Genesis 15, 5, it says, Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Now imagine God telling you, bringing you outside and making you look at the stars at, at night and saying, that's how many children you're going to have. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Imagine that experience. So descendants so numerous that they wouldn't even be able to count them. And then the third promise that God gave Abraham 
was Abraham was given the promise of a spirit, a special spiritual seed. He said, in you, all the all the earth will be blessed in you, all the families of the earth. In Genesis 12, three, I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. So God promised Abraham that in his seed, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Now, we know that seed that God was talking about was who? It was Jesus Christ, right? The Bible tells us in Galatians 3.16, Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say into seeds as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed, that is Christ. The promise of Abraham was in his spiritual seed, which was Jesus Christ, that all the families of the earth would be blessed. Jesus Christ came out of the lineage of Abraham. And so therefore, Abraham is the father of the faith. So a threefold promise, a special country, Canaan land, a wonderful posterity, children too numerous to count, and then a special spiritual seed that would allow all the families of the earth to be blessed. But listen, none of those promises that were spoken to Abraham, that were given to Abraham, could be fulfilled without Abraham first learning how to walk in faith, how to live in faith, how to stand in faith. He had to learn how to trust God and to believe God. And that's who Abraham was. He was a man who trusted God. He was a man who believed in God. He was a man who had faith in God. The Bible says in Genesis 12, 1, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. In other words, he didn't even tell him what land he was going to yet. Now imagine the Lord telling you to leave your family, to leave your your relatives and to leave this land that you call your own and get out of here. I want you to leave. I want you to go somewhere. But by the way, I'm not going to tell you where to go yet. Just go and then I'll show you where to go. How many of you know that takes faith right there? That takes faith. But you know what? If you already know where you're going, you don't need faith, right? But Abraham, Abraham was asked of God and required of God to take a step of faith and to leave everything he knew and to trust him in where he was going. And the Bible says, Abraham went. He walked in faith. Genesis 12, 2 says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. But listen, before Abraham would experience God's promised blessing, he had to first meet God's condition of walking by faith. I want you to hear me this morning. Before Abraham could receive these great promises, he had to first Meet the condition and trust God and walk in faith. Amen. You know what? Listen, Abraham is the Christian's model of walking by faith. It's the example that we need to look to as when we think about walking with God and, and living by faith. Abraham is a good model to look at and learn from of what it truly means to walk by faith. How many of you know Christianity is more than going to church? And it's more than just reading your Bible. And it's more than just saying Christianese. Christianity is living by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Remember, faith is what was required to be a friend of God. 
Abraham was a friend of God. Hebrews eleven six says it's impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You want to know what pleases God when we walk by faith, when we trust God, when we lean on God, when we rely on God. Remember, faith is also what is required to receive from God. The Bible says, Jesus said in Matthew 21, 22, you can pray for anything. And if you have faith, you will receive it. Faith, walking in faith is what allows us to receive God's promises. And Abraham would have never experienced what God had spoke to him unless he was willing to get out of his town, leave his family, leave his relatives and go where God was leading him to go. Amen. So what does it mean to walk by faith? Well, from Abraham, we can learn some great lessons. Number one, Abraham teaches us that walking by faith requires patience. How many of you know you got to have patience when you're walking by faith? Remember when God told Abraham, he said, hey, you can have, your descendants can be like the stars. Abraham didn't even have a son. He didn't even have a child yet. And so God's saying, Abraham, and listen, Abraham was not like an 18-year-old. Abraham was up in age. He didn't even have a child. And God says, hey, your descendants are going to be like the stars. And you can hear Abraham saying, what? you got to be kidding me, man. I don't even have any children. In Genesis 15, 5, then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look up in the sky, count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. But listen, it would be years before Abraham would even have a child. So God promised him something, but he didn't get that promise overnight. He didn't didn't receive that promise overnight. And listen, in a world of instant everything, this is something we need to hear today. The reality is to experience the fulfillment of the promises of God and for Abraham to receive God's promises, he had to patiently wait for God to move. Now, for some of us, that's not a great characteristic of us. But if we want to see God move, we got to learn to wait on God. Amen. Listen to what Hebrews 6.13 says. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. But look at verse 15. Then Abraham waited patiently. And he received what God had promised. Here's the application. If you want to receive the promised blessings of God, you got to learn to live by faith. You got to learn how to wait patiently for God to come through. Amen. You got to wait. Don't do things on your own. Don't try to work it out on your own. Wait for God to work. Hebrews 10.36 says, patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. I want to read that again. Listen to the first two words. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Come on, how many of you want to receive God's promises? you got to learn to be patient. It's patient endurance 
walking and trusting God when you don't see God move, when you know what God says, but yet you haven't seen what God's doing. You got to wait. You got to trust. You got to believe. You got to expect. Don't do things in your own. Don't throw in the towel. Don't go back on the way of the world. Wait on God. God is faithful. He's faithful. Amen. Are y'all hearing me today? God is faithful. You got to wait on God. Trust God. Expect God to come through. Number two, Abraham teaches us to walk by faith. You have to trust God's ability. God has the ability to do it. Amen. When God spoke to Abraham telling him, hey, Abraham, Sarah's going to be with child. It didn't make sense. Oh, you got to be kidding me. My wife, Sarah, is going to have a child. It did not make sense in the natural. It doesn't compute because Sarah was beyond childbearing years. The Bible tells us in Genesis 18, it says, where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside the tent. Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year. And your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. And Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time. And Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn out woman like me enjoy such a pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? You know what she was saying is Abraham is an old coot himself. In verse 13, And the Lord said to Abram, Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah laughed when God said that she would have a son. But the Bible doesn't say that Abraham laughed. And, you know, I believe the reason why Abraham didn't laugh because something about in Abraham's heart Abraham believed in God's ability that God can do whatever he wants. He can do, he can, he can cause Sarah to conceive if that's what he wants. I believe Abraham had faith in God's ability to do anything. Do y'all believe that this morning? Verse 13 and 14 says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's a good question to ask. Is anything too hard for the Lord? The answer is no. Nothing is too hard. Jesus said in Matthew 19, 26, Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. So you know what that tells me? That tells me that whatever you're at, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're experiencing, God is able. God can make a roadway in the wilderness. He can part your Red Sea. He can create something out of nothing. Walking by faith requires you to trust in God's ability 
Trusting in God's ability means that you look at something in the natural that seems like it's impossible, but in the face of the impossibility in the natural, you say, but God, but God, but God, but God. In the natural, it doesn't seem right. In the natural, it doesn't make sense. But God, but God can do it. God can change this circumstance. Amen. God can. Number three, Abraham teaches us to walk by faith. You have to obey even when it don't make sense. Even when it don't make sense. And listen, if you walk with God any length of time, you're going to get to that place where God's going to ask you to do something that just doesn't make sense. Come on, how many of y'all can relate right now? How many of you had your family say, what is the matter with you? If you recall, after Abraham and Sarah were blessed with a son named Isaac, they were blessed. God's promise came true. God now asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. Now, wait a minute. I've been waiting and trusting and believing for a son. Now I got a son. His name is Isaac, Lord. And the Lord says, lay him on the altar. Lay him on the altar. This doesn't make sense. I believe, you know, if Abraham would have been familiar with the New Testament, he'd have been quoting the, you know, Paul and saying, I bind up that evil voice that's telling me to do this. There's no way that he would have received this as God's voice. Because in the natural, it just didn't make sense. Sacrifice Isaac. In Genesis 22, 7, it says, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son Abraham replied, we have the fire in the wood. The boy said, but where is the sheep for the bird offering? God will provide a sheep for the bird offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. My friends, that verse is no small verse. You have to understand the gravity of what we just read. Then Abraham tied his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Now listen, we read that story and we say, oh, it's great. But put yourself in Abraham's shoes for a moment. I mean, he's at the point where he's already picked up the knife. In Abraham's heart, he had already sacrificed Isaac. In Abraham's heart, he was, he was done. He was going to obey God, even if it didn't make sense. We read the story and say, yeah, but God rescued him. But Abraham didn't have this story to read. He didn't know that God was going to provide. Abraham just obeyed God. The lesson here is this. Abraham was willing to obey God by sacrificing his son, even if it didn't make sense. He had such trust and faith in God that he believed that God would raise him up even if he asked him to sacrifice him. And that's what the Bible tells us. 
In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. You know, I was reading when I was studying for this lesson, you know, there's a lot of type of Christ in the Bible. Like Pastor Kelly talked about, about uh, Joseph, a type of Christ. But they say this is the only example of a type of God where he, he sacrifices his son. And verse 17 says, he received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants would be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able. How many of you know God is able? God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Amen. And it's hard. He had already did. What faith Abraham had, being willing to sacrifice his only son. Do you, do you understand what it must have took for him to do that? that? That he trusted God so much so that he was willing to take his son and hand him over to God in, in, in obedience to, to the, the, the request to sacrifice him, knowing that God could raise him up. And if God asked him to sacrifice his son, God had a better plan. He had something in mind that Abraham couldn't figure out, but he just trusted him anyway. There's a life lesson here. When God asks you to do something, don't try to figure it out. Don't try to figure out what God is trying to do. Don't try to figure out what angle God is coming from. Man, just obey, even if it don't make sense. Just do it. Amen. How many of you know it's better to obey God? Then to, to doubt God. Blessing always follows obedience. If you read the next verse in that, God says, now Abraham, because you were willing to sacrifice your son. Now, let me tell you what's coming upon you. The promises I told you about, that's what's going to happen to you, my friend. You're going to be blessed. Your people are going to be blessed. You're going to be known all over the nations. Amen. The blessing always comes after the sacrifice. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the blessing. When God told Moses to raise up his staff against the Red Sea, when all the children of Israel were getting cornered between the Egyptians and the, and the waters before them, and God said, raise your staff, Moses didn't, didn't have a dialogue with God, but this is a piece of wood. Now, what's this piece of wood have anything to do with water? I mean, we can't, surely we can't lay this this staff over the water and us all walk across it like a, like a bridge. It's too short. It'll never go. It's too narrow. We'll never get even a chariot across it. No, he didn't reason with God. He just did what God said and he raised this staff. And when he raised the staff, the water all of a sudden had to obey the, the prompting of God. And all of a sudden the water started turning the other way and started standing on its edge. And all of a sudden dry land appeared and they walked over to the dry land. All because somebody was willing to obey God. Imagine what God is telling us today. What is he wanting us to do today? I encourage you to obey God. Even when it don't make sense. Even when it don't add up. Like, you know, I remember when God said, you know, go in the ministry. 
Well, I hadn't been to Bible college, hadn't been to seminary. Uh, what, what church will hire me? I mean, you know, there was a, a hundred and one reasons why that would, couldn't happen. In the natural, it didn't make sense. In fact, I remember Brother Francis saying, a man that was in the church said, how do you world you take an all field hand and, and use them in ministry? And Brother Francis said, only God. Amen. He took me a butcher and used me. Only God. How many of you know God can do whatever? He can do whatever He wants. Amen. You know, listen, a lot of times, even with spiritual things, we look at it in the natural and we say, well, now, wait a minute. If I give, how can that mean I'm going to get? If I sow, how does that mean I'm going to reap? If I'm generous, how does that mean I'm going to be generous? We don't understand the, the principles of God's kingdom if you look at them in the natural and you try to comprehend them with your with this little thing in your noggin here. But the best thing to do is throw your faith at God and put your confidence and trust in Him. And if He says, leap, leap. If He says, stop, stop. If He says, go left, go left. If He says, go right, go right. Amen. Just do what God tells you to do, and I promise you, you will be favored and blessed of God wherever you go. Amen. I heard a pastor say one time, if God told me to hook up a rooster to a freight train and the rooster was going to pull it, I would say, hook him up. (laughs) Amen. You know, the natural, there's no way a rooster could pull a freight train, right? But if God tells you to do it, how many of you know you can walk on water? Amen. Are y'all tracking with me today? Number four, Abraham teaches us to walk by faith. You have to be willing to act on your faith. You got to be willing to act. Listen, faith is more than something we believe. but Rather, something we're willing to do. You know, if you talk to people, everybody's got faith. Everybody's a Christian. But something don't compute. Something don't add up. Because we get a picture of Christianity in the scripture. And then we see what people say they're Christian and see their life and how it runs. We say some may write. It doesn't, it doesn't, like it doesn't fit the picture of Christianity. Anybody can say I have faith. But listen, faith has to have action associated with it. James chapter 2 verse 21. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions? When he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. So you see the truth that true faith drives you to action. If your faith isn't altering your life. Your lifestyle. Your behavior. You should question your faith. Because faith has to have action. Faith alters your lifestyle. Faith alters your behavior. Faith changes what you rely on, what you depend on. Faith changes your speech. Faith has action. James 2.17, so you see faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. Did you know your faith could be dead? You could have dead faith. That would be terrible to have dead faith. Living faith 
always is followed by action. If it doesn't have action attached to it, it's dead faith. Our actions make our faith complete. Amen? Are y'all still with me out there? So how do we add actions to our faith? Well, begin standing and trusting on God's promises like Abraham did. Find a promise in God's word pertaining to a need in your life and start believing God to meet your need. Amen. Like even if it's a character issue, believe God, trust God to change that, that behavior. If you have a, a, a need in your life, believe God, find a promise. Romans 4.19, Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was good as dead, so was Sarah's wound. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. Amen. His faith grew stronger as he waited on God's promises. What's the greatest need in your life right now? Can God meet that need? Can you believe God to meet that need? Can you believe God to change your circumstance? Come on, are y'all with me out here? Are you believing God for something? Are you trusting God for something? You need to find something to trust God for. Amen? That's living faith. That's active faith. Hebrews eleven six. it's impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists. And that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Amen. Number two, ask God what he wants you to do and obey his promptings. You know, God is speaking to his people. He who has ears, let him hear what he's saying. What the spirit is saying. Deuteronomy eleven twenty seven says, you will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. You know, it's amazing. Obedience to God's commands always produces a blessing. Obedience to God is always a true sign of our faith in God. And you know, it's amazing how just a little nudge from God can totally change our life. Just a little leadership from the Holy Spirit or from a verse in the Bible or even from something somebody else says that rings true with where you are. And what, what, what you're dealing with, just a little bit of tweaking in your life can totally open up a whole new avenue of blessing. Come on. How many of y'all agreeing with me today? And, and God has, God has done that in your life. He's just changed one little thing. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's one little act of obedience where you change the way you're doing something. And all of a sudden it's like the gates of heaven are opened up and there's favor. There's blessing. There's joy. There's peace and there's grace flowing in your life like never before. Find something. Listen to God's voice. Let him speak to you and obey. And the blessings will follow. Number three, keep claiming the blessing of your spiritual position in Christ. How many of you know as a child of God, you are Abraham's offspring? Amen. You know, you've heard, you've heard all the jokes about, you know, this guy in New York, he told us that, you know, something, I don't know, he said like 80 or 90% of, of, uh, of all the business owners in New York are Jewish people. I said, well, you know, that's what the Bible says that, you know, they would be blessed. And that's when we started going back and forth. But, uh, but anyway, you know, you've heard, you know, like, you know, man, you know, you know, we make derogatory remarks about Jewish people about how blessed they are. 
You know why that is? Genesis 12. The blessing of the Lord. Now, I didn't have the privilege of being Jew. But you know what? Since Christ, I got adopted in. Amen. I got adopted in. Abraham's now my father. Amen. Through Jesus Christ. Isn't that right, saints of God? So listen, I can have the favor and blessing of God flowing in my life because of my position spiritually, because of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank God for that. Galatians 3, 79 says, The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the Scriptures look forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said all nations would be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Now, if you really understand this, this is a good place to say, Amen. Amen. You know what that says? If you think you were on the wrong side of the tracks, God will put you on the right side of the tracks. Amen. If you think you were the least in the family, don't worry about it. God will put you in the first of the family. Amen. Come on. If you've been set, if somebody told you you were the failure, come on, don't accept that any longer because of your father. You are not a failure. You're a success because of the blessing and the favor of God that is on your life. Amen. Man, praise God through that. Amen. Galatians 3.14, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. So that we who are believers might receive the promise, the Holy Spirit through faith. And then finally, keep your eyes focused and your heart set on eternity. You know, Abraham was blessed. He was the father of the faith. Why? He didn't get too wrapped up in this world. He didn't get too consumed with what was around him. He understood that, man, he's just sojourning. He's just taking a trip through this world. But this is not going to be his lasting place. This is not his his real home. He's got a mansion waiting for him. He's got a place set up for him. And he's just waiting to get there. Amen. And this is what the Bible says. Hebrews 11, 9. And even when he reached the, the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. A city designed and built by God. Saints, what city was that? That was the New Jerusalem, right? That was a, that was a prompt, the promised land. That's where you spend eternity in the presence of God with streets of gold. That's heaven. Amen. And Abraham kept his eyes on heaven. Can I encourage you? Keep your eyes on heaven. Amen. Keep your eyes on heaven. Keep your eyes on heaven. How do you exercise your faith? Keep your eyes on heaven. Come on. Keep your eyes focused because one day the trumpet's going to sound and it's going to be over. And those of us who who waiting on the Lord and didn't die yet, we're going to get to be reunited with our Lord and spend all eternity with Him. Amen. Are you looking forward to that day? No stress. No bills. No mosquitoes. No humidity. Come on. How many of you now want to go? <laughs> Amen. Would you do me a favor and let's just stand. Amen. Abraham lived a life of faith because he kept his eyes focused on the prize. 
heaven bound. How many of you, how many of you looking forward to that promise being fulfilled in your life? Amen. Listen, don't be in a hurry to get there, you know, but, but wait patiently. Amen. Come on, let's pray together. Come on, how many of you right now just need to trust God, believe God for things going on in your life? Come on, maybe you need to trust God for for encouragement, for strength, for healing. Can you depend on God? Can you rely on Him? Is He able? Can He meet you right where you are? Can He? Yes, He can. Yes, He can. He can meet you right where you are. If you hear today and you say, Todd, I'm not a Christian. I'm not saved. If I died right now, I'm not sure where I would spend eternity, but I want to be sure. Would you pray with me that my sins could be forgiven and that Jesus would receive me? If that's you today and you say, Todd, pray that prayer of salvation with me. I want to make sure. If that's you, just raise your hand wherever you are. Raise it high so I can see it. And we're going to pray that prayer together because Jesus has a special home for you. Just raise it high and wave it at me so that I can see it because I don't want to miss one person who's not sure. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Now, how many of you have something to believe God for? Something to trust God for? Come on. How many of you have something to lean on God for? Come on, maybe maybe this is an opportunity for you to just throw your faith at God. Throw your faith, your confidence on the Lord and say, Lord, I trust you this morning. I'm believing in you. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that, God, you would release grace over this entire congregation, God. Lord, we don't want to just have faith by name. We want to have faith by action. We want to have faith in sincerity. God, we want to have faith by, Lord, by behavior and our actions that line up and that add up that we are trusting and relying on the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, I pray today in the mighty and the strong name of Jesus that, Lord, you would release your grace on every heart and every life that's here today. God, may our life be empowered and strengthened. And God, may our may the promises of God be fulfilled in our life today, even as we wait and hold on to your promises, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed and said, Amen.